raise the bar on health and live with maximum vitality. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. Andrea is a Bali-based naturopath redefining health as living with maximum vitality. Tune in for practical life advice and start aligning with what your body wants. Our bodies are trying to talk to us. Let's listen. For those of you who I've not seen before, I'm the detox director here at the Yoga Barn. And it's my pleasure and honor to have this Monday night space where people get to come for free and start to think critically about the concept of health. And that's, that's all it is, right? These health, community health talks, what does that mean? Well, it means whatever we make it mean. And my intention, more than anything, is to start a process of critical inquiry whereby you learn to ask questions. Right? You start to question most things in your life in relation to health. And so that's, of course, food, the intake of food, maybe what we'll be talking about tonight. That's also times when we don't have food, times of fasting. Right? Has, does anyone have experience with fasting? Good, so you're, you're an above average room, but still less than half. Whereas this is a really important part of our human experience. <coughs> so the two different programs that I run here are the seven-day detox retreat and the three-day cleanse program. And both programs are fasting. Uh, my intention in expressing everything I do through my work is to bring people back to the roots of nature, of human living on planet Earth, right? human in environment. So we can start to look at how the human would interact with the environment. This is stuff we haven't really thought about for like 2,000 years. Because for the last 2,000 years, we've been living in mostly, anyone? Cities, civilization, right? Humans in civilization. And so as an answer to what we can do about living in civilization, these different medicinal systems popped up all over the world, right? In South Asia, we had systems of Siddha medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, right? Of course, a little bit north from there, we had Tibetan medicine. Far over to the east, we have Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine. There are different medicinal systems all over the planet, and they correlated more or less to the rise of civilization, people changing how they're living, right? no, no longer living in traditional dwellings or no longer being as nomadic, traveling around the earth, being more sedentary, being more domestic, domesticated, and living with each other in a different way. Does that make sense? And so a lot of those medicinal systems, when you look at it, they're really only 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 years old, not really older than that. And the work that I do as an evolutionary anthropologist is going back in time, three to four million years, right? So that's a really long time, more than I can count, for sure. And that three to four million years is about the time, more or less, from whence we departed in the scale of evolution. Now, you don't have to believe in evolution, I don't... Force. I mean, none of us really know, none of us were there, or maybe not, at least in this lifetime with this ego, maybe we were there before. But if you're open to embrace theories of evolution, <coughs> then three to four million years is about the time where we split off from the great ape family, yeah? Still with whom we share most of our DNA, right? Orangutans. About 96.4% of our DNA is shared with them. That's a lot percent. Right? That's almost all. They're like our very close cousins who you're like, oh, you guys look kind of alike. Are you cousins? And 
and we're like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course we are cousins. But we forget about this because of what? Because of civilization. Because of the past 2,000 years, where we had time and space to not only be human, not only survive on this planet, right? But we went beyond the basic needs of water, food, and sex. Right? Maybe love would be another one. Right? Those are our basic needs. That's what we need in order to reproduce to send our DNA on to future generations and make sure that our species continues. Right? That's what's needed. And so tonight we'll be talking a lot about the continuation of species and moreover how we can maximize our life in these human bodies right, in this lifetime. And a lot of that does indeed have to do with what we're eating. Right? But when we go back three to four million years, that time, like two, three million years ago, something like that, we were humans living in environment. Humans living with, not on, but with nature. That's a really important caveat. Do you understand that? With nature, not on nature. But today, what do we do? We bulldoze. Right? Even creating rice fields was a form of living on nature. Because to create the rice fields, thousands of years ago, Balinese people cut down trees, cut down jungles, cut down forests, cleared big open space. And so even agriculture, farming, something that we think is so nature or natural, even agriculture itself, which is only 10,000 years old, so right, we're just about that much on this big scale, right? even that is a form of domestication, a certain feeling of civilization. See that? So we're going back, going back. And it's not about savage, it's not about like going back to a romantic time in the past. It's about actually just realizing environment. Because that's the part we've been ignoring. We're overly obsessed with human and human body. Right? That's what a lot of medical science today, allopathic medicine, definitely the pharmaceutical industry, that's what we're doing. We're toying with all of the different chemical signaling in the body. We're trying to figure out how things get done in the body by the laws of nature. And then trying to replicate that in the laboratory using isolated chemicals in the form of pharmaceutical drugs. It's the most like toying, it's like a puppet show inside of your body that you could ever imagine. But the truth of everything is, and the truth of natural medicine, which is where I come to speak to you from, natural medicine, is that the body actually has the complete power and the complete ability to be able to heal itself. That's not something that you hear very often. It's not necessarily something that you were raised to believe, especially most of you, I'm sure. You grew up in the West under the allopathic medicine system. You got sick, your mom might have given you Tylenol, Advil, ibuprofen, Panadol, you can name a few other drug names. Yeah. But the body does have an ability to heal itself, and this is something that you know deep inside of you. Hopefully tonight I won't tell you anything that you don't know deep inside of you. That's not my intention, is to teach anything. Merely my intention is to remind you of things that very much you do know. And when you remember them, you can start to live your life by them, from inside. Not even from the head, but from the heart, from the belly, from the second chakra of intuition. Okay? And so this concept of the body being fully able to heal itself, you might say, prove it to me. Right? Show me how. All right, well, let's think about it. Think about any time you've ever gotten a scrape or a cut or even a burn. Right? So we'll talk topically on the body. What happens? What do you do? Okay, so you might use some external antibacterial, but then what do you do after that? Put a band-aid 
you put a band-aid on it. You seal it off, and you say, hey, body, heal yourself. See that? And then with a cut, what the body does, it's amazing. It starts to rebuild skin tissue from the bottom up, right? Until it's at the last <coughs> layer, and it seals it off with a new layer of skin, right? And all of that's been replicated. Essentially, that was the best self-healing you could have ever asked for. Can you see that? And all it needed was time, right? And the more energy you give to your body for healing, the more that's cashed in as time. And remember that concept, we'll come back to it. The more energy you can give your body for healing, yeah, okay? The more the time passes quickly and you heal faster, for sure. Another example might be if you've ever broken a bone, right? Allopathic medicine can't get too far with that. What do they do? You break your arm, you go to the doctor, what happens? They put a cast on it. So if you have a really good doctor, you have an osteopath or someone who can help in the situation, if it's a helpable kind of break, right, then they'll reset it and then put a cast on. But if it's an actual broken bone, what happens over that four months or so that you're going to have a cast on? What happens in the body? Anyone? The bone heals. The bone heals. Thank you. You can come back. You're welcome back anytime. All right. The bone heals. Amazing, right? It puts down different layers of calcium, heals and rebuilds in the same way that that scar, that cut did on a topical level of the skin. And so if we're looking at collagen, elastin, if we're looking at calcium, if we're looking at these elements that build up our body in its different shape and forms, we can see that the body has full power to replicate and reproduce, right? Thus healing whatever injury was done. Does that make sense? All right. And then most other diseases, which are less acute, I talked about acute diseases, so we can see how the body has the ability to heal itself. But chronic disease as well can be healed. And in natural medicine, we stem chronic disease back to, most of the time, auto-intoxication. It's what we call the body toxifying itself, the body holding on to certain trash elements, rubbish elements, that should have been eliminated, that haven't been eliminated, right? And as we came more and more on this timeline, closer to civilization, closer to the modern day, we've seen a massive constipation for every system of elimination in the human body. And so the four main systems of elimination are definitely number one, number one's number two. Yes, pooping. Defecation, that's our number one system of elimination, all right? Number two system of elimination is through the skin, sweating, right? But also dry skin cells, dead skin cells going off, also stimulation of the outer limb, things like this are involved in this process of elimination. Number three, part of elimination, take a deep breath with me. Really nice and full, especially you guys who are in Hatha, you know that three part yogic breath, exhale. Keep exhaling, keep exhaling. Keep exhaling everything out. How often do you breathe like that? Well, that was a very efficient breath. It was a very effective breath. With a longer exhale, we had maximum getting rid of, what would you say, elimination of carbon dioxide. Right? And with that full inhale, we were actually strengthening the heart. Yeah? Amazing, amazing. The breath is an integral part of detoxification that we often forget about. So the breath, that's the third system of elimination. And the fourth one, 
the urinary tract, of course. If we take too much of certain vitamins or minerals, like Michael had asked about, they're flushed down through the kidneys, through the urinary tract. <coughs> of course, the water that we drink, although we don't drink as much of it as perhaps we should, this water is very important in making sure that that system is working, as well as number one. What was number one pathway of elimination? <laughs> I love it. Number, number one was number two. Yes, number one was defecation. You didn't know there would be pop quizzes. Very good. So when you look at these systems of elimination, these pathways of elimination, I'm telling you that they're not working as well as they should be. I'll give you a few examples. We already talked about the example of the breath. But how about that number one? The pathway of elimination of defecation. So those of you who have been before, how often are we supposed to poop? Once per meal per day. Once per meal per day. So that'll be shocking front page news to most of you, right? Because that's not something you were taught in school. That you're actually supposed to be pooping once per meal per day. Amazing, isn't it? It makes sense, though, if we think about it. Something comes in, something goes out, just like babies, just like dogs. But we tend to close off to this. Our psychology has a lot to do with it. Also, our busy lives. Right? Not giving ourselves time. The other part of it is hydration. Hydration is really crucial and important. Those of you who have been here before, you know that I recommend you drink how many liters of water a day? Three! Three liters of water a day. And the reason for that is that that's the minimum that your body needs because that's how much it loses in a day. Right? Your body uses and loses through sweating, through breathing, right? through absorption in the colon, and definitely through urinary tract. And so if we're losing that much fluid, we need to replace it in order to just get to that bare minimum. So the truth of the matter is that most people today are walking around pretty much totally dehydrated. <coughs> and this manifests as other kinds of disease. I love it, this is one everyone drinks. Cheers. <laughs> right. Beautiful, so when I say that um, we're not, the body's not working as well as it could be, that has a lot to do with the whole idea of civilization, right? And I have a little bit of a bone to pick with those modern systems of medicine, right? Not that I don't think they're effective, because I've studied with Tibetan doctors, I've studied Chinese medicine quite a bit, I've seen so many Ayurvedic doctors, I lived in India for quite some time, and I would quiz them, and I would ask all of these different questions. But the root of the thing is that they're not getting down to the fundamental pillars of health that are needed. Because it doesn't matter what medicine you take, mind you, that's another system of medicine, using something from outside, the little marionettes, to toy with something inside. Because in natural health, what we believe, again, is that the body has the complete ability to heal itself. So where, when, or how does that happen? Well, it can happen every day, little by little. A lot of it happens when you sleep, for sure. Right? That's a fasting period. That's why we have that morning meal. It's called in English breakfast, break, fast. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. And so over the evening, the body repairs itself for sure. Well, if we were to take that fast, that time where your digestive system does not have to work so hard, because right? the digestive system itself can take up to 70% of all available energy. That's a lot of energy, and you've felt this before, after you've had a big, heavy meal, right? and then what happens? 
right? You just lose all your energy. You're really tired. You need to sit back and relax. You know this firsthand. Remember, I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm reminding you of things that you already know, putting them together slowly. And so when we realize that by actually shutting off the digestive system for a certain period of time, that's what fasting could be defined as, we are allowing the body to divert that energy, to go and heal and cleanse at a cellular level wherever it's necessary. And so if that's healing your cut, right, or your bruise, or your broken bone, you see that? It's a really powerful technique to be able to reroute the current of vital life force energy in the body to go wherever it needs to go at that time. And the body decides where it needs to go for sure. Does that make sense? So what we're going to do now for the rest of the time um, is talk about diets, different diets, all right? different ways of eating, different ways of uh, consuming. And I'm going to grab up here the whiteboard and on the same page, and then we'll go through them one by one, and we'll see, of course, what is this diet, what do you eat on the diet, and then how does it work in the body, right, what happens in the body, okay, so different diets, Roma, okay, different diets, we'll get there, all right, give me more, Then here, Atkins. Atkins. Okay, that's a really common one, right? Throw back to the 90s. The raw diet. Okay, raw. We're going to do two. Starvation. The breatharian diet. We won't talk about that. You can come back for a fasting lecture. The clean diet. Okay, that one's not famous enough um, to talk about. I want to make sure it's, it's kind of mainstream ones that everyone knows. But if, if you can think of anything else, yeah, that's similar, that'll definitely be helpful. The vegan. Okay, so that's another fasting diet, um, which what I just said will help you understand, but I'm not sure that everyone would know what it is. All right. How about give me a bad diet? Low fat. Okay. How about the standard American diet? <laughs> what? Well, I'll tell you what it is as we go on. But the standard American diet, just so you know, it's um, the acronym is SAD, SAD. Okay. Okay. All right, my board is, is full, and I think that I can mention a few of the other ones that you've said as we go. All right, but we have a list of them, and we'll go through them one by one to start to understand kind of what's happening in the body and, and what we're doing with these diets, all right? But the premise of a diet, before I go any further, is a certain kind of intake or lifestyle that you follow, usually for a certain period of time, and then you forget about it, right? And you go back to your life. And what ends up happening after a diet? 
go right back to the way you were. So in the modern world today, for the past like 30, even to 40 years, diets have come about because humans have come so far away from any natural instinct of how to live on this planet, right? That we've started to do what? Gain weight, right? We've started to become fat. Yeah, and there are lots of different reasons for that. But when you see someone who's tremendously overweight, which is not that hard, just go to Australia or the United States and you'll see one quite soon. Right? And even sometimes in certain parts of Shanghai, China, you have a lot of obese young children these days. Yeah? Scary, scary what the world's coming to. We're only seeing the levels go higher and higher, right? But in general, when we look at the concept of a diet, it was us saying, oh my gosh, let's stop doing all of the unnatural things that we're doing so often and start to do more natural things for a certain period of time, right? So when you undergo that, often you're, you're letting go of a bunch of things, right? The low-fat diet would be letting go of fat, right? The, there's a I quit sugar that's big in Australia now. Some of you know it. That's letting go of sugar, right? And so we start to let go of things that we're taking in too concentrated or in too high of quantities today in our, our modern human world. And when we let go of them, we're going to eat more of the natural stuff. And so when we return to nature, all of a sudden the body's able to balance itself out. And of course, any extra weight or really any healing that needs to happen will either be lost or occur. Does that make sense? Yeah? Awesome. So let's go through here and we'll see, we'll see how we go. Our first diet on the list is the standard American diet. And I think this is a really important one, not because I was born in the United States or any other political reason, but I think it's an important one because where the U.S. goes, the world follows. How many of you know about McDonald's or Coca-Cola, right? Or I could, I could keep on going and go down the list and name not only these corporations or these products that have gone worldwide, but the concept of pizza or hamburgers, right? The American version of pizza is something very different than the Italian version of pizza. Do I have any Italians to vouch for that? No? All right, come back to my food combined. <laughs> All right, so when we, when we look at the diet of modern human today, it consists of an unforeseen amount of processed foods, right? packaged foods, which are quite often processed foods. You see that? Foods with different additives, chemicals added in. Right? Anything that's meant to be on a shelf, for an extended period of time probably isn't going to be so good inside of the body, you see that? Anything that's produced or made in a laboratory needs to be digested in a laboratory. Unfortunately, food science is an ever-growing field in universities worldwide, right? Learning how to like actually create food products. And these are not food. These are food-like products, yeah? There's also a whole other world here where we're waking up to genetically modified organisms. Super, super scary stuff. Even commercial wheat flour today, as you know it, a lot of it has been genetically modified, either through years of hybridization or of genetic modification of the seed in a laboratory. And commercial wheat flour itself today is actually a frankenfood. Even whole wheat. And if you're buying whole wheat bread because you think it's healthier, Look at the ingredients. Most of the time, it's actually white bread with coloring put in it. How crazy is that, brown bread? And so when we can start to ask the question, wake up to these things, 
read ingredients, or better yet, stop eating things that have ingredients, right? Stop eating things that are in a package. That's moving a step away from the standard American diet. Because what we can see, and this is what I did my master's research on, is that the nutrition transition that's happened in the West over the past hundred years, and it's happened in developing countries like Indonesia only in the past 30 years, this has brought us an escalating rise in diet and lifestyle-related disease. Things like heart disease, cancer, obesity, we talked about that one, autoimmune diseases, and diabetes. All of these have been brought about by following a diet like the standard American. Yeah. And so maybe in your country, wherever you come from, right, you're not slurping extra-large Cokes right, that you got from the fast food place. And maybe you're not even eating fast food. So it's not that bad as the standard American. Right? But again, where the United States goes, the world follows. So unless we wake up and start to question what this is about, right, our path is the length. Yeah? So that's a, that's a good one to start out. Right? Start out on the dreary note. You know, we're only going uphill from here. Don't worry. Don't worry. Next up, uh, let's talk. I'm going to skip a little bit. Let's talk about the Adkins diet. All right, so what do they do in the Adkins diet? Mr. Adkins, in about the 70s and 80s, he wrote most of his texts. He had New York Times bestseller. I think he sold more than a million copies. That's a lot of copies of a book. And Mr. Adkins said, hey, you, stop eating grains. Stop eating bread specifically. You know that? You remember that? And it's kind of funny when we think about the Adkins diet that was popular all throughout the 90s and even the early 2000s, right? That was like a, a foreshadowing of the gluten-free trend that we're seeing happen in the world today, right? But many people went on the Adkins diet because it was a sure way to lose weight fast. And so what did Adkins say? He said, you know what? Stop eating starches, all right? In the body, on a macronutrient scale, those translate as carbohydrates, okay? And so Whole Foods, I'm gonna take a step away from this, Whole Foods, not the chain store in the States, but the concept of Whole Foods, what they are is a three-part mixture between what? Protein, carbohydrates. Yay, protein, carbohydrates, and what's the last one? Fat. All right, and guess what? Whole Foods have within them proteins, carbohydrates, and fat. So name something that's a Whole Food. Avocado. avocado, awesome, thank you. So an avocado, you guys probably know, it has a lot of fat in it. It has more fat than most other fruit. But an avocado also has protein in it. And it even has carbohydrate in it, yeah? Take an even more perplexing whole food, like spinach or any green leafy vegetable. Of course the spinach is gonna have carbohydrate in it, that's what it makes its main most up of. It also has protein in it though. And it also even has fat. Even spinach has fat. A trace amount, and you'd have to eat a lot to gain any kind of sort of fat, for sure. It would do you better by stimulating your elimination if you ate that much, that you would never be able to get fat off of eating only spinach. But you see what I mean? So the concept of whole foods is understanding that these macronutrients exist in everything. However, normally, Foods are predominantly one of these macronutrients. For example, like an orange, a piece of fruit. Which is it predominantly? Protein, sugar, or fat? Sugar. 
Okay, sugar, carbohydrate, very good. I think I confused you, sorry. Carbohydrate, sugar, they would mean the same thing. The body breaks them down in the same way. We have simple carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates. Simple carbohydrates are things like fruits and vegetables. It takes very little effort to move through the body for the body to absorb them, right? These are our natural foods. We'll talk more about them as we get lower on the list, all right? But when we think about whole foods and when we think about it in application to Mr. Atkins, what he's doing is taking out that whole picture of starch. Things that are mostly carbohydrate or starch, he's saying, don't eat. Okay? And then what happens? Does anyone know anyone who's been on an Atkins diet? What happens? Yeah, they lose weight really fast, usually. It's amazing. It's like, oh, I love this Atkins diet. It's working for me. Right? I'm going to that wedding next week and I can fit in the bridesmaid dress. Hallelujah. Right? That's what the Atkins diet does. It allows the body to rid itself of a lot of weight very fast. And it did that by removing the element of concentrated carbohydrate. Well, when we look at the body and how it absorbs carbohydrate, the body actually, to fully process one gram of carbohydrate, something that's predominantly carbohydrate, it uses three grams of water. And so when you stop eating carbohydrate, what happens in the body? It says, I don't need all this water. Whoosh. And you start to lose all that water weight. Exactly. And then that would be the answer to two weeks later after the wedding and she fit in the bridal dress and all the pictures were gorgeous, right? She started to eat carbohydrate again and there the weight came back just like that. Does that make sense? Because it's water weight that's needed to process the carbohydrate. And that's nothing that the body's doing right or wrong. The body's just being its natural self and working in its own way. But that's the secret to the Atkins diet. Now, the thing is that our brain actually runs off of glucose, simple sugar. There is absolutely no way that we can avoid certain kinds of sugars. Everything breaks down into sugar in the human body. You see that? And so whether it's fruit or vegetable, whether it's a complex carbohydrate, things like potatoes or bread, pasta, rice, whatever you want, right? Those are often, quite often, a necessary part of human survival in the world today. We must be dominant in carbohydrates, all right? And that'll bring us to the one right above that, vegan. Let's, let's go on the other side. The vegan diet, all right, or even the vegetarian diet. What does it do in terms of the macronutrient scale, those three pieces? Does the vegan diet take one out? Very good. Concentrated protein, right? That slice of the pie is greatly removed. Of course, there's still protein, because there's protein in everything, right? Like spinach or avocados, right? And so by doing that, we start to say, wait a minute. On the vegan diet, a lot of people find healing. They find very distinct disease reversal, and there's a lot of clinical evidence to prove this through some of my teachers, like Colin T. Campbell, right? Neil Barnard, Dean Ornish, yeah, Joel Furman, and Dr. Esselstein. None of these names sound familiar. I'm not saying any nuts. Yeah? Look these guys up if you're interested. And if you want to remember those names, look at my bio on the Yoga Barn webpage, and I kind of mentioned some of them. But there's very, very distinct clinical evidence that shows that when we take out the protein, the concentrated protein, all of a sudden the body is able to more rapidly heal itself. And we might say, why is that? 
Right? I thought humans were omnivorous. I thought we were supposed to eat everything and its mother. Right? And that is something that we would think about today. And in the last 2,000 years or so of modern civilization, our diet has changed drastically. Right? Even in the past 100 years or 50 years, right? In this lifetime, people are eating way more animal products than we ever have before. <coughs> eating meat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? That's absolute lunacy. No kind of animal that is any way, shape, or form like our human body has ever done that in history. Right? But that is one of the large characteristics, along with processed food and refined sugars, of the standard American diet. Right? So we see that that's perhaps not a path we want to go down. A lot of people in the world today are waking up to this. They're having things like meatless Mondays, right? where they're deciding to give their digestive system a break. And that's really what it's about. Because the truth of the matter is that what I mentioned before, fruits and vegetables, these are the things that pass most quickly through the organ of the stomach. And the body has to exert the least amount of energy in order to digest them. Right? And then when the body doesn't have to exert that much energy, it has so much more energy to go to heal and cleanse. You see that? We're coming back to that, that fundamental point. Okay? And so when we look at, at eating meat, we say, what are the kinds of animals that are meant to eat meat? Carnivores. Carnivores, thank you. Yeah, carnivores. Well, biochemically and biomechanically, they're very, very, very different than we are as human beings, right? For example, their jaw only moves up and down. It's like a saw. Their digestive tract is only about three times the length of the abdomen, whereas our human digestive tract is 12 times the length of our abdomen, right? They have 20 times more hydrochloric acid in their stomach than we do. In fact, their stomach is 100 to 1,000 times more acidic than our human stomach. They're meant to process meat in and out fast. But in the human body, when we take in concentrated protein, flesh, it actually has to spend at least four hours in the stomach. Whereas something like fruit can pass in and out in a half hour. So we start to say, wait a minute, it takes a lot more for us to digest these certain foods. And so what the vegan diet does is it says, you know what, let's take those out and let's give the body a whole lot more vacation time, right? So that it can heal and it can do what it's meant to. You see, that's a powerful, powerful mechanism that's happening, all right? From there, let's talk about the paleo diet. So the paleo diet, are you familiar with it? It's the paleolithic diet. So it's coming back about this far in time on this scale of four million years, yeah? And so it's not even a million years back. The paleolithic era was a time where we think of like cavemen, you know, right? And rather than saying bunny eat, eat plant, me don't want to eat plant, not so many plants, me eat bunny. My caveman has an Indian accent, sorry. <laughs> okay. So when we eat bunny, right, we, we figured out how to capture fire and then eventually how to reproduce fire so that we could start to process foods in a way that we never had before. We went away from our normal natural human diet of human and environment, right, and we started to eat things, right, that perhaps we never ate before as a species. Of course, this was a very integral part of our development because as we migrated to the far north and south away from the tropical fruit forest of the equator, right, we started to discover that 
simply our man-made food, or our, our man-made, our earth-made foods that are here for us aren't here for us at the far north and south latitudes, and we had to cope. And so eating things like bunny was an amazing coping mechanism that helped us to survive. Right? But of course, here we are in civilization where we can have whatever we want, whenever we want. Right? And so the paleo diet says, you know what, let's go back to a time in, in the past where we ate more simply. And so one of the biggest markers of the paleo diet is that it removes most, if not all, processed foods. Things like refined sugar. Right? Anything packaged with additives, preservatives. So you see that that in itself is a big step away from the standard American diet. And the standard vegan diet, mind you, doesn't do that. I was a junk food vegan for one whole year. Right? I would eat cookies, I would eat candy, I would eat anything as long as there was no animal product in it. Right? You see that? So there's a big difference there. And so in mostly the fitness circles of today, you see people who want to learn how to thrive in their human body. They want to learn how to encapsulate all of this vital life force energy and really use it to maximize their potential. There are people like Ironman, triathletes, marathon runners, competitive cyclists, etc., etc. Right? A lot of them, maybe they're weightlifters also, they're going to things like the paleo diet. And in my opinion, it's a fantastic move to cut out all of those processed foods. Right? And what do they eat then? Because we can't talk about a diet in terms of what you don't eat. You have to talk about what you do actually eat. Because in the end, that's what it comes down to. So people who are on a paleo diet, they eat a way higher level of fruits and vegetables than your average Joe. Right? And then, of course, they'll base their diet in concentrated protein, in animal meat. Right? And things like eggs and, and whatever else comes along with that. Okay? And so what did the paleo people leave out? Remember the macronutrient scale? Carbohydrates. Thank you. Don't be shy, guys. Wake up. I feel like you're sleeping. Carbohydrates. Yes, exactly. That's what they left out. And so when we leave out the carbohydrates, it's just like the Atkins diet. What's going to start to happen? For sure you'll start to lose weight. Yeah, you'll lose water weight. And because they've taken out all of the processed foods and all of the very harmful, inflammatory foods, they start to feel really good. And people have great success with the paleo diet. Yeah, and it's attributed to that. Okay? But let's move further on. Let's see what's next. Okay? So something like a raw diet. Okay? So I'm going to talk about this in two forms. So raw foodism came originally about a hundred years ago from the natural hygiene movement, the school of thought that I come to you from. And raw foodism, what it meant was going back to the earth, eating things that grew from the earth, going back that three to four million years in time, looking at what our human body is meant to be digesting. And if you think about it, if you share more than like 96 to 98, depending upon what great ape we're talking about, that percentage of your DNA with those great apes, you might say, well, what are they eating? Because our digestive systems are still really super similar, right? even through three to four million years of evolution. This part of our body almost hasn't changed, right? It has not adapted, really. And so this is why we're seeing the sicknesses come about from the standard American diet, because we can't eat everything, right? We don't thrive on everything. Each species has a species-specific diet. You see that? 
And so if we go into a zoo, perhaps, and we ask a zoologist, hey, man, or woman, hey, woman zoologist, what do you feed your orangutans? And she'll say, well, we feed them what we feed them in the wild, of course. We feed them a diet really high in fruit, right, things like bananas, and really high in leafy green vegetables. Because that's the diet that they're meant to be processing. That's the diet that they thrive off of. And that's where they're healthy. If you went in and felt, fed a chimpanzee hamburgers and pizza and soft drinks, I promise you 100%, he would develop diabetes, autoimmune diseases. He would probably even get obese, right? My dog, bless her, the first dog I ever had in my life, uh, my parents fed her dog food. And we fed her a lot of human food and things like that. How did the end of her life go? With Cushing's disease and diabetes. Right? A dog. You see that? And so when we go away from our natural diet and things, how, how we are meant to be living as human and environment, the body starts to react in ways that's holding in of toxins or not processing things as well as it needs to do. Or perhaps even certain mechanisms of hormone release, etc., etc. And the body or metabolism of the liver, the liver could fail, etc., etc. They stop happening in the way that they're meant to. Yeah? And so when we go back to our natural diet, something that's made of living food, right? So the moment that you cook a food, right? You start to take out the water, and thus it's no longer a whole food. You see that? It also denatures a lot of the amino acid chains in the food, as well as certain vitamins and minerals. Right? And so it makes the food itself less nutritionally potent. You see that? And so when we start to process foods in any way, shape, or form, they lose their vitality. Thus, we are not receiving as much vitality from them. Yeah? And so when we look at the original raw food diet, what it consists of is eating mostly fruits and vegetables okay? in their whole food raw state. Okay? It's going straight back to nature. And that's where we see the most rapid healing. Because remember what I told you about fasting? When we can save or conserve all of that energy? If we're eating only fruits and vegetables, which are the fastest things to digest in and out of our stomach, we're going to have a whole lot of energy conservation, and we will see a whole lot of healing. <coughs> and so the modern version of this from 100 years ago is what we call the fruitarian diet. Really interesting community. And when we see those competitive athletes, they're either going one way or the other, paleo or fruitarian. And both of them have a lot of similarities, right? They're leaving behind things like processed wheat flour, white sugar, any packaged food, chemical additives and preservatives, etc., etc., etc. None of that's in the picture, right? The fruitarians are going to kind of leave out the protein and maximize the carbohydrate, understanding that that's what our body processes everything into. And the paleo we already talked about. It's the opposite. Okay? And so, really interesting, right? We get really interesting at the bottom of this list. I'm going to take a second to talk about what I wrote here, the raw food movement Ubud style. You guys have been in Ubud some amount of time. You've been here long enough to see that, like, on every menu everywhere, you'll have, like, raw key lime pie and raw lasagna. Definitely raw pizza. Yeah? All of these things that are not, not whole foods, you see that? They're still processed in a certain way, shape, or form. They're still combined, a bunch of different ingredients in one dish. 
Most of the time you think you're really healthy and you think it's like really good and you're eating only raw and eat it. And then afterwards you have a really big stomach ache because the body says, what the hell was that? Right? That raw pizza. Really? Raw foodists, the modern kind that are eating these imitation foods, right? They average about 60% of their calories from fat. It's crazy because they're eating a lot of things like carrots or broccoli, things that actually aren't necessarily meant to be processed in their raw state by the human body. Crazy, huh? Wait, why do you say that carrots aren't supposed to be processed raw? Yeah, so, so you'll notice a lot of times if you eat carrots and, and you don't really chew them well enough to poop them out, the thing is that the body can't unleash or unlock a lot of the vitamins and minerals from the carrot itself. So cooked carrot is better than a raw carrot? I don't say anything's better or not, and we'll open up to questions in a second, um, but it can be more absorbable. And that doesn't mean I don't want you guys to eat carrots ever again, just so that you know that tubers or roots, right? So you think of a carrot, that's a root in the ground, Right? That's not a fruit or a leafy green. You see that? That's actually meant to be eaten or processed by a certain class of animals called tubivores. They're things like anteaters. They have this flat snout. Pigs, their digestive system can sift dirt. Right? Of course, humans naturally would scrub the carrot to make sure there's no dirt left. You see things like that. And so in coming back to a natural diet, like here at the bottom of the list, we can start to understand that, yeah, those things aren't necessarily part of it. And the diet is actually much higher in juicy, yeah, no worries, juicy fruits, right? And tons of leafy greens, right? And certain tender parts of greens, like celery, the stalks of leaves. Essentially, this bottom, bottom, bottom living food, the original raw food diet, is eating all above ground plants in their natural state all ones that are meant to be processed by the human body. Of course, we have things like the cruciferous vegetable family or the brassica family, things like cabbage, broccoli, you know these, yeah? What do they tend to make you do, cauliflower? Yeah. They make you gassy because the human body can't process them in their raw state, yeah. And so it's quite interesting because we're eating a whole ton of plants today. We think that all fruits and vegetables are good and I, we don't have time to get into that that much specificness tonight, but just to show you that actually basing the diet in juicy fruits, right? That's a return to about three and a half million years ago. And when we do that, that's when healing occurs. So all along this list, we see different attempts at that, right? All along this list, we see improvements from the first thing, which was the standard American diet. And all along this list, people find success. But it's only when we start to wake up to the mechanisms in our body and we wake up to actually what is in our foods that we find true and lasting success. And the thing is that when we eat lower down on the list, right, even to, to complete living the original raw food diet, mostly fruits and vegetables, guess what? That's the stuff that makes you poop, right? That's the stuff that ramps up your natural vital systems of elimination. That's the stuff that hydrates you. And so that's really powerful. If you can make your diet like a fast, or you can make your diet so that your body is on permanent holiday, the body's going to be the happiest and have the most success. Okay? So we'll open up to questions now. I'll turn on the light so that I can see you guys. 
Mostly what? Water. It's mostly water, right? Soup is liquid. You said it. And so when we're fasting, we're having a lot of liquid. So you see that? It's kind of a compromise there. There's a lot of similarity there. Yeah? So yes, I am saying that your body will heal better and faster if you fast when you're sick. And most of the illnesses today, especially the acute, acute ones, like things like Bali Belly, right? The, or constipation or whatever your illness is, right, it's going to be benefited through some kind of fast, especially belly belly. I have a lot of people who come in here, I have girls who come in and say, I've had belly belly for the past 12 days. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, you're probably massively dehydrated and feeling horrible. Bali belly. belly is like uh, diarrhea, so it's, it's, it's the name, like deli belly is another version, or Montezuma's curse in the northern hemisphere. Yeah. And so it's having uh, certain bacteria, you're being exposed to certain bacteria that your body doesn't want and wants to throw out immediately, and so you'll have diarrhea for an extended period of time. If you do experience that, you can start fasting. Right? From the first time it comes on, it'll be gone within 12 hours because you've allowed your body to heal. Whereas if you keep putting food into a mouth or an anus that wants to spit, and then you're trying to put something in while it's trying to spit, it's going to get frustrated and just continue to spit it out. You see that? Big shift there. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Are you saying if you just eat fruit and veg all the time, you're going to hold the weakness that you need? I love this. I love this question. Healthy way. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I'll make a disclaimer that perhaps I should have made earlier that I'm not giving dietary advice here. Yeah? I'm simply trying to help you think logically through the different offerings and also bring to you a whole host of human beings who are doing these certain things and absolutely thriving, right? So it's not very practical in the modern world today to just eat fruits and vegetables, right? Some people do it and they have incredible success. But I know that you guys have social lives and standards and norms and things like this and maybe families to feed. So what I like to say is that the more fruits and vegetables, the most you can fill your diet with fruits and vegetables, right? That's where you'll find more success. Now that wasn't really answering your question though, because what your question was, was about the goodness. And so what I'm thinking you're asking about are vitamins and minerals, what Michael asked about in the beginning of class, right? Can you get everything that you need to get from simply fruits and vegetables? Well, I say yes, right? Because believe it or not, things like a banana, a banana has inside of it one and a half grams of protein. And so if you only ate bananas all day, okay, maybe like 24 of them, you would get the recommended daily allowance, your need of protein. You see that? And so when we look at plants, what we see is a smaller version of the macronutrients but a much larger version of the minerals and vitamins that we need to thrive and survive. And so when we eat plants, 
we have to eat a lot of them. So if you were eating fruits and vegetables only, which the modern fruitarians, remember that big split off, what they do today, is they're eating most of the day, all day. Blenders, trust me, it's their best friend. Right? Because it takes a lot to make sure that we not only get enough calories, right? but when we do get enough calories, yes, for sure, we're guaranteed to get all of our nourishment. But eating all that food doesn't matter. Yes, so sugar is being processed and it's different in the... Foods, but it's still sugar. Okay. I can say that I tried to eat more foods and I had rashes from the sugar. And I know that if I eat just any type of sugar, I would have rashes on my hands. So I have to stop and do. Yeah, that's and the same thing happened with foods. Yeah, it would be cool to do more experiments with that and see. Because unfortunately, in the world today, we have one word to describe two totally different things. Right? White sugar, white processed sugar, white refined processed sugar, and then these naturally occurring sugars, things like sucrose, fructose, glucose, right? Whereas they're very, very, very different. And when they occur in a naturally occurring form, like in an apple, the body fully understands and is able to process that, right? And it's held up by a matrix and network of fiber so the body absorbs it really slowly. And it, it's processed completely different than the white powdered stuff, which is like a shot of cocaine. But it still adds up. It's still, like quantity-wise, sucrose, glucose, yes, they are processed differently. So we have to think again. Our brain runs off of glucose, and everything we eat will be broken down in the body to simple sugars. Right? Look at any chemistry of digestion textbook. And so if we're just eating the sugars in their most simple form, right, it's amazing how the body really knows how to do it. Now if you're concerned about certain errors in your own bloodstream, right, and those errors are usually by virtue of having too much fat in the bloodstream, right, that's what's going to hold up the sugars and give sugar imbalances, or perhaps you guys know about candida, things like that. Right? There's mechanisms, or there could be a malfunction of the body in relation to diabetes. Right, The pancreas isn't secreting enough insulin. Right? Certain malfunctioning or imbalances already in the body. You see that? Then the sugar will affect you in a certain way. But guess what? That's not the fruit's fault. That's the body being imbalanced. You see that? So as the body balances itself out and comes back to a natural state of health, by all means, the sugar doesn't have effect because it's simply the food that we're meant to be eating. It's our species-specific diet. And you guys know this. Again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. That's why you've heard your entire life, fruits and vegetables are good for you. Yeah? Cool. I think I saw a question back there. Or did I, do you, yeah, do you want to ask anything more specific? In the Ayurvedic system, they say uh, for some guys, it's also important to be cooked food, you know, and stuff. For my instincts, I think raw food is better, but I know uh, Awesome. I love it. So this is something that I've been talking about for about 15 years, and it's something that um, I think is a super valid and important thing to, to talk about. Because Ayurveda, of course, is a sister science to yoga, right? Indian classical medicine. And so we get a lot of Ayurvedic dietary advice. But I can tell you, after living in India so long, right, that the modern... So Ayurveda tells amazing things. 
right? Lifestyle practices, etc. Amazing. However, the dietary advice from Ayurveda is very different today than it was 2,000 years ago. The dietary advice today has been adapted to the modern Indian diet and lifestyle. If we look at the Vedas, yeah, the Rig Veda says that the best food humans could ever eat is freshly fallen fruit from the tree, right? Krishna even says it in the Gita. And so when we look at, at the essence of Ayurveda and what it says, I promise you it's a lot more fruits mainly and leafy green vegetables, okay? But it's still important to talk about um, what happens in, in the concept of Ayurveda versus natural medicine, which is where I come from. So in Ayurveda, they talk about the, the digestive fire, okay? And this fire energy is something that some people have more of and other people have less of. And usually an Ayurvedic doctor will want to make people who have less digestive fire gain more. And so what they do essentially is they say, your body is weak, let me give you something already somewhat digested. You see that? Almost pre-masticated, cooked food. You don't have to chew it so much, it's already broken down, more or less. Of course, the mineral and nutrient, let alone enzyme, that was something that I didn't mention before that I should have. Do you guys know what enzymes are? Enzymes are chemical reactors, okay? And so food, like a piece of fruit, take your orange again. The orange has within it a certain class of enzymes, right, and a number of enzymes, that it needs to be digested. This is why if you leave the orange out for six months, by the end, there'll be nothing left, right? It'll mold into a pile of nothing. And that's because the orange essentially has digested itself because it has within it enzymes. As soon as you cook anything, I, I know you guys would never cook an orange, I picked a bad example, but as soon as you cook anything, you actually denature the enzymes, yeah, these amino acids, these things that are inherently vital to the force. And so living food people will tell you that cooked food is dead food. You see that? And thus, on that realm, they're saying that it's more difficult to digest because it doesn't have the enzymes that it was supposed to, so it'll actually use enzymes from your body and constantly deplete your body's own storage of enzymes. All right? So that was a tangent. Back to Ayurveda. What Ayurveda says is, hey, pre-cook your food so it's like baby food, literally. Think about baby food. Or like, I have a little puppy dog, and I, for the first, like, three months of her life, I've blended up meat so that she didn't have to chew it. You see that? Because what happens in, a, in, a, in actually a baby puppy's life is that the mom will pre-chew the meat and then either vomit it up or spit it out for the baby. You see that? That's the concept of baby food. Human babies, what do we do for the first year or so of our life? Breastfeed. For sure, breastfeed. You see that? Already pre-chewed food. Okay? So... What Ayurveda does is it says, it goes back to that baby kind of disempowering ideal, and it says, hey, eat this so that it's easy, and then we'll build your digestive fire, usually through the use of herbs, right? so that later on you're stronger and you can process other things. Ayurveda also says that raw foods tend to be very imbalancing and difficult to digest. They're very aggravating to the constitution of vata, is what's said in Ayurveda. Um, but a lot of raw foods that they're talking about are things like Broccoli or carrots, right? These things that we already said are difficult to digest. They're not so much talking about fruit and leafy greens. Does that make sense? So that should, that should kind of set things 
a little more clear. Um, in the end, what do I advise you to do? <laughs> right? I advise you to experiment. And experiment honestly. And experiment simply. A very key, crucial part of this all is simplicity. Coming back to a natural state of things. Right? Where if you say, you know what, I'm going to try that fruits and vegetable thing, try it for a week. That's a form of a fast. That can do amazing healing things for your body. If you need support, there's a really cool website, 30bananasaday.com. And check that out. 30 is in numbers. Right? Or try out the paleo diet. See how you feel. I promise you'll feel better because what is that doing? It's moving away from the standard American diet. Yeah? Read up on the research by those doctors that I mentioned, the people behind the vegan diet, where they say that eating concentrated animal protein right, is harmful to the body. And no matter where you go or which way you go, you have to be hydrated. You have to poo well. You have to get enough sleep and movement. And then, only then, do you have a fair playing ground for experimentation, okay? So I know that was a lot tonight. I threw in a lot of different aspects. We're, we're already over time, so I'm going to cut it off there. But I do have a Facebook page, which I would love. I would ask that you all join me on, because this is where the conversation continues. Every single day, at least once a day, if not twice, I'm posting different research studies, different information, different reminders about, essentially, health, about how we can start to raise the bar on health. So that health doesn't just mean not being sick, right? but it actually can mean living with maximum vitality. Right? So you can check that out here. Come take a picture. I also have flyers up here for um, the cleanse program. I think we have a few spots left for the next intake, which is April 6th and 7th. And so if you feel like this is a time when you want to learn a lot more about your body, fasting is the time usually when you learn the most in the most compressed period of time. So check those out. I also have a teacher training coming up in May if any of you guys are looking to deepen your own yogic experience. Um, and I'm also the director of colonics here. Incredible people. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Remember, you don't have to change anything right away. Simply become more consciously aware. Tune in next time for more interpretations of our body's signals. And don't forget to reprioritize your life around your health to live with maximum vitality.